0: Welcome to the Atmosphere Church Podcast. On behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this message. We pray that it will touch your heart and change your life. Regardless of what you believe, where you come from, or what questions you might have, you are welcome here. Our desire is to help lead you in experiencing God by following Jesus. If you want to find out more information about us, head over to our website at atmosphere.church. We have already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. Enjoy the message
1: introduce our guest speaker. I'm super excited to be able to just spend some time with him. Uh, he is a brother of another mother. He he actually does look like my brother. <laughs> uh, so Samuel Laws uh, is a lead pastor of Brave Church up in San Ramon, and a lot of people call Atmosphere Church Baby Brave because it was really un- under the inspiration of his dad and himself and, and really our friendship together and our brotherhood together that really formed and shaped Atmosphere Church. And we planted this church in 2018. And so they are really close to us. Uh, we're part of the same association of churches called ARC. Uh, so would you give a warm Atmosphere Church welcome to Pastor Samuel Laws? Well, hey, it's an honor to be here, to be uh, in front of people. Uh, to be preaching in front of beautiful faces. I, uh, so I'm here to serve Pastor Jim, you know, and he called me uh, maybe a month ago, uh, just, you know, seeing, you know, the end of the year, have a guest speaker, get a break, and it's really an honor anytime um, I get to be here and to serve, to serve this church, this incredible church, uh, but you know when Pastor Jim and I were talking, I was like, "Well, I got to run this by my wife because I'm in the Bay Area and I'd have to travel and all this stuff." And he's like, "You know, just just catch a flight in the morning, and then you can fly back later that day, and you don't even have to stay the night." And so I ran that by my wife, and she said, "Yeah." And that all sounded really normal until this morning. I'm like going to the airport, get up at like you know five a.m. I'm running to the airport, I jump on my flight, and I'm thinking, "Wow, I'm going to land and the first service starts." In like an hour. And so I'm sitting there on the plane. I'm thinking, well, this, I guess this all just really lined up, you know? And uh, then they're like, oh, we got to refuel the plane and all this stuff. And I'm like thinking, this would be 2020 for me to miss it. But at the same time, God is good. And here I am. So it's just uh, glad that worked out, huh? Uh, But what a way to end the year. This is the last service of 2020. Quick show of hands if you feel like you lived this new decade in the first year like so much packed into one year it's it's crazy you know at the beginning of this year a lot of pastors were doing series on having 2020 vision right get it you know perfect vision so here's the deal like perfect vision is god's perspective right 2020 vision equals god's perspective and we just had no idea all of the things that would happen that God would use to give us his perspective this year. Amen? And so today, as we close out this year, at our our last gathering, our last time worshiping together in 2020, a year that we will never forget, I ask the question, how clear is our vision? What do we see when we look back? One of the unique things that really stands out to me about this year is just how many experiences we all shared like wearing masks, social distancing, uh, the things that we collectively missed out on like indoor movies and indoor dining at different times. And you know, there's just so many things that we all felt together. And yet there's also things that each and every one of us experienced that was unique. Um, I don't know all the ways that this year has impacted you or your family. I don't know if you got sick I don't know if you lost work. I don't know if someone that you love got sick or or if you lost a loved one. I don't know if you lost friends over the extreme political climate that we weathered during this last election. I don't know what I don't know, but I do know this, and that is that there are lessons to be learned in every storm. If you're taking notes, the title of today's talk is Lessons from the Storm. Regardless of how you experienced this year, Collectively or personally, God was with us and he was working through our storms. And we can be certain of this because God's character is unchanging. And that's really important. That is foundational for how we walk with Jesus is knowing that, that we can trust him because he's the same person in 2020 that he was in 2019 and that he's gonna be in 2021. Look at what Hebrews thirteen eight says. It says, so we say with confidence The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you and consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So God's character does not change. And because of this, we can see the storm that we're heading into and the one we came out of. And we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. So today, as we close out this year, we're going to look at a story of one of the most incredible biblical characters. He's one of the most respected characters in the entire Bible. And it's, it's not King David. It's not the Apostle Paul. It's not Mother Mary. It's not even Jesus. But this character is really remarkable because he's the only character in the Old Testament that we see that, 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 that there's no record of him ever sinning. Okay, this guy was amazing. When you when you read the Bible, you know you quickly realize that it doesn't pull any punches. Like these are real people. A lot of the great biblical characters were humans that were flawed and broken. And yet, every now and then, we have we have these different characters, like the one we're going to look at today, that were just so inspiring. Like in our culture, we relate to weakness, right? When we can say, oh, he struggles just like me or she, she's dealing with that just like I am. And you know, that's a way that we really relate and connect. Yet sometimes what we need is not to relate to weakness, but to be Im- inspired by strength. And that's what we see in this character. I think it's really going to encourage you because even though this guy didn't struggle and didn't sin the way you and I do, he went through some storms. And he's an incredible example of someone who could go through some of the most challenging stuff imaginable, and yet still trust in God and still have faith and be pulled through that storm and on the other side of it to even greater things that God wanted to do in his life. And so that's what we're believing for as we move through 2020. But let's begin with prayer before we look at this scripture. Let's pray. If you'd bow your heads and join me. God, I pray right now that we would be open to what it is that you want to say to us in the way that you want us to see. God, I pray that you would give us your vision as we reflect back on this year, then that you would give us your vision for what it is that you want us to see as we move forward. I pray that nothing will be left, nothing will be wasted. God, I pray that you would speak to us today in Jesus' name, amen, amen. 2020 will forever be marked by its storms, but it won't be the last year with hard stuff. So today as we look at these storms, we're looking at storms in the life of Joseph. Um, He's one of the best examples we have of someone who walked with God faithfully through the storms of his life. And you know, Joseph, the thing about Joseph, he didn't just survive betrayal, injustice, false accusation, and and a massive famine that he lived through, he thrived through all of this. So let me tell you a little bit about him. Um, Joseph was his father's favorite. Um, his dad, apparently his dad had favorites. Um, and, uh, and, and, he, and he actually gave him a special gift that really set him apart from all of his other siblings. So we've got this sibling rivalry and that didn't, that didn't really help. That put a bullseye on his back. And so Joseph, he's, he's already the favorite. Now he has this, this special gift. And then he has a dream from God that basically implies that he's going to rule over his other siblings someday. And so he tells them the dream And then in Genesis 37, his brothers say, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of this dream and what he had said. And so Joseph's brothers, they're mad and they wanted him out of their lives. But instead of just killing him, they're like, we could get some good money for him. So they sold him into slavery. Now, let's just imagine for a minute how traumatic that would have been for Joseph. Like, let's pause for a second. I don't know if you've heard this story before or when the first time that you heard this story was. I was a kid in Sunday school, and we had a flannel graph. Anybody remember those? Maybe. Okay. No, you guys. Yeah, there we go. We got one. So, we're 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 like you know the way we're introduced to stories sometimes can just kind of gloss, you know have an impact where we just kind of gloss over the reality of the situation. But I mean, think about this: he's a boy, and he's sold into slavery. He's in a strange land now, living in a stranger's home. That is traumatic. That is that is just crazy what he's living through. And and I say this because at this point. If Joseph's life never amounted to anything, like if he never did anything with his life, we wouldn't blame him. Because he goes from this privileged life, the favorite of his father, to being sold into slavery. Everything is flipped upside down. He, he could have gone into addictions. He could have gone into, um, you know, he could have chose to cope with his pain however he chose. He could have become bitter. He could have blamed God. He could have, the list goes on and on what Joseph could have done but instead he trusts God and surprisingly enough he thrives. Now, we we don't know a whole lot about Joseph and his relationship with his dad, but I find this really interesting, you know, we know that he was his father's favorite and so there's one thing that would have been unmistakable in Joseph's life. There's one truth that would have anchored him through this time and that is knowing that he had his father's blessing. And see Joseph even when he's sold into slavery, even when his life is incredibly devalued, he continues to live out of this place of truth as a blessed boy. And so you might be listening today and maybe you had no relationship with your father. Maybe you never met your dad. Maybe you had a terrible relationship. Maybe you guys aren't even talking. Let me tell you some good news. Even though Joseph had his father's blessing, right? What he learned when, he was, when all of that was stripped away when, when his life was completely changed and he no longer even had connection to his father, when all of that was stripped away, he learned about an even greater blessing and that is the blessing of his father, God. Look what it says in Genesis 39. It says, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian, who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelite who had taken him there. And then it says, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in, the, in his eyes and he became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything that he owned. And from the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in his house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except for the food that he ate. So Joseph knew he had his earthly father's blessing. And then he learned that he had another blessing, a greater blessing, the blessing of his father, God, that is available to every single one of us if we are faithful to Jesus. If we are faithful to Jesus in our storms, we can know that we have God's blessing. So today we're gonna look at three lessons from the storm. And the first lesson is this. Number one, blessed ships don't sink. Blessed ships don't sink. Joseph's life had been incredibly devalued, right? I mean, his his whole worth, he was sold. He became property and yet he maintains that I am blessed even in the storm. My God is with me. Look at verse 3. It says, the Lord gave him success in everything he did. I wonder if you felt at times this year like your ship might sink. I I know I sure have. I will never forget back at the beginning of this pandemic when things started shutting down. My wife was only weeks away from giving birth, we didn't know if we were going to be able, if I was going to be able to be in the hospital with her, uh, if it was safe to go to the hospital. We had way more questions then than even than we do now, and you know it was a scary time. And I started fear buying. I was like stocking up, like the grocery stores are going to shut down, you know. And then I I even bought lanterns, and I don't know why I bought lanterns because. The virus was not going to take the power out. <laughs> it was like apocalyptic mode though, right? Like every, everything was scary. And I remember having so much anxiety. And then one day I was praying and I realized that I was so focused on the storm, I had completely forgotten who was in the boat with me. See, there's this story in the Gospel of Mark where Jesus and his disciples have left a crowd where Jesus was teaching and they're traveling in a boat and it says a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And so, where was Jesus? Jesus was in the stern, which is in the back of the boat, and, and he's sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and they said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Many of us experienced moments like this in 2020. Don't you care if we drown? So, let's take a moment. Let's take a moment and let's pause together and let's reflect. And I wonder if you ask yourself, what is my storm? Can you name it? Can you name the storms that you have faced this year? Can you call it out? Maybe your storm was your marriage. Maybe it was a fear of the virus. Maybe it was your health, your job, your finances, your kids, your parents, your living situation. Can you name your storm? Now close your eyes with me just for a moment. Close your eyes and imagine You're you're standing in your boat, you're looking out at this storm, but Jesus is standing with you. And then Jesus, he got up, he rebuked the wind, he said to the waves, be quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm again. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? See, sometimes when um, people are, are new to church uh, at, the, at the church that I pastor. Sometimes when people are new, if they're already a Christian, maybe they're new to the area and, they, and they've come and, and checked it out and, and we're talking. And sometimes they ask me this question. They, they say, how do you guys do discipleship here? And there's kind of this implication that it's it's complicated, that, that, that there's this really you know, important process to what it is or how you do it. And it's not a bad question, but you know the truth is all of discipleship can be summed up as growing faith. It's nothing more, it's nothing less. Discipleship is the process of growing our faith with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so God, he can use programs, he can use small groups, he can use large groups, he can use preaching, he can use conversations, but you know what else he can use? He can use storms. And so this year, God used storms in our lives as an opportunity to deepen our trust in him. We can have faith that Jesus is with us if we are faithful to him. You are blessed and blessed ships don't sink. Now, now let's take a look at storm number two. Just as we're you know, getting comfortable, Joseph's life seems good again. Like maybe the balance has been restored. He's, you know, he's, he's the, his master's favorite now. He was his dad's favorite. Now he's, he's, he's got this great position working for this other guy. And then one day he goes into his master's house and he's going in there to do some work, and nobody's around except the master's wife. Just turn to somebody and say, uh-oh, <laughs> uh-oh. So, so what does she do? She tries to seduce him because she's thirsty, and this is so wrong, right? Joseph like has discernment, right? He's a really wise guy, and so he sees it coming, and he starts to run out of the house, but then she grabs his cloak, and then she screams, and tells this whole story, makes up all these lies about what happened. In verse 14, it says, "'Look, she said to them, "'This Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. "'He came here to sleep with me. "'But I screamed, and when he heard me scream for help, "'he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house.'" So then she tells her husband the story, and it says he burned with anger. Joseph's master took him, he he put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. So, So Joseph, he's unfairly accused, He's being dealt consequences he didn't deserve. It's kind of like he can't catch a break, right? I mean, this is not his character. In fact, he had just passed the test of faithfulness to his master. The lesson we learn from this, number two, is that when life isn't fair, we can still find favor. When life isn't fair, we can still find favor. Joseph, you know, he looked guilty, but he wasn't. He was loyal. And sometimes, you know, the storm could be our character being challenged as a pastor, as a leader, um, I've had to make a lot of difficult decisions through this season, and I know Pastor Jim has as well. And we've, you know, talked a lot about all the different stuff we've been navigating. And you know, the truth is, in leadership, in any form of leadership, uh, you're not going to make everyone happy. And, and you guys, you know that. Even if you're, um, even if you're just a parent, you know that leading your children, right? Like you're never going to make everyone happy. That is the burden of leadership. And so one of the things this year really did for all of us, you know, we're all followers in some context, we're all following someone, but every single one of us didn't get what we wanted this year in some way or another. And the challenge then is what do we do with that emotion? What do you do when you don't get your way? What do you do when you don't get what you want? And what we have to be really careful of and and what we really can learn from this year is is the, the best thing to do is not to make accusations. The best thing to do is not to attack someone's character, to you know, just take shots or whatever. No, the best thing that we can do is trust God even when things don't feel fair because we still have God's favor. Well, we have to be careful. you know, The Bible refers to Satan as the accuser, and there is a, a spirit of accusation in this age. Potiphar's wife, she didn't get what she wanted, so what did she do? She accused Joseph. And then he's thrown in prison. So, so what happened to Joseph was not fair, right? Maybe some things happened to you this year that really just did not seem fair. But God is still with us. Continuing on, it says, but while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him, and he showed him kindness, and he granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care, because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. So what this did, ultimately, is it put Joseph in proximity with the Pharaoh's cupbearer and the chief baker. And while they were in prison, they had dreams, and Joseph was able to interpret those dreams. Well, years later, Pharaoh has a dream, and he's looking for someone to interpret it. And so the cupbearer has returned to good graces with the Pharaoh. He's he's out of prison, and who does he think of? He thinks of Joseph, then Joseph is able to come and tell the Pharaoh what his dream means. God gives him the interpretation of this dream, and it really impresses Pharaoh because what he sees is seven years of prosperity coming, followed by seven years of famine. See, this famine is our last storm, but Joseph is able to prepare for it. Joseph is is used by God during this seven-year period. He gains favor. He gains trust. He's basically made ruler of Egypt. He's second in charge in all of the land. Sure enough, the famine comes and they're ready for it. So, what, so look at Joseph's life here. Let's recap for a second. Joseph, he's, he's sold into slavery. He's falsely accused. He's thrown into prison. And now he's ruler of Egypt. What can we learn from this final storm? Number one, blessed ships don't sink. Number two, when life isn't fair, we can still find favor. And lastly, number three, with God, the hardest years can bear the most fruit. The hardest years can bear the most fruit. When the famine swept the land, Joseph's family ran out of food. And so they had to go and find help and they had to ask for help and they didn't know it at first and they didn't recognize him, but Joseph's brothers ended up right in front of him in their moment of greatest need. And check this out. When they realized they were face to face with the brother that they had betrayed, they were filled with fear. And here's what Joseph says to them. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Joseph says, even though you tried to destroy me, you sold me into slavery, you tried to ruin my life, Look at what God was able to do, even in the context of the worst evil that you could have done to me. See, God didn't cause this evil. God isn't at fault. Joseph didn't blame God, but he knew what God could do, even through the worst. That, 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 he also had this awareness, and I just want to make this side point because I love this, that Joseph's response isn't man, you guys, look what you tried to do to my life, but look at where I am now. Now I'm in like, you know, now I'm the guy you need. I'm the one that can save you. I'm in, i like the ruler of Egypt. No, instead he points straight to his purpose. And he says, I'm in this position for the saving of many lives. See, Joseph had, had an awareness that God was up to stuff that was so much bigger than just whether his life was good or just whether things turned out well for him. No, he had something to pull him through any storm that he could have faced. It was a greater purpose in God. And every single one of us has an incredible purpose to live. God created us for a reason, and there are things that he wants us to do that are gonna help many people. But we have to to live for those things, and we have to keep focused on them. See, the enemy of our souls wants nothing more than to distract us or to speak lies into our hearts as we face our storms. He wants nothing more than to cause us to focus more on the storm that we're facing than the goodness of our God. And listen, you know, the Bible tells us that we have a real enemy. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. See, we live in a war zone, and this is a spiritual battlefield. We live in the midst of a cosmic fight between good and evil. And you know, the ultimate victory has been won on the cross through Jesus, but that doesn't mean that there isn't a long and brutal war until the final day. And so we cannot be naive to the fact that this is happening around us. Evil is active, We have an evil enemy. And you know, even if you don't believe in God, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, it doesn't take much convincing to believe that evil exists, right? And also that no human has been able to solve the problem of evil. And so the enemy of our souls may not be able to shipwreck someone's faith, but if the devil can get you to be distracted by the greater purposes of what God is working in evil, the good that he is causing through it, then that's his victory in and of itself. See, 2020 is not the worst year. 2020 is not the bad year. 2020 is not the year of evil. 2020 is the year of planting seeds. Seeds that are going to bear so much fruit in the future. See, this church has been planting some serious seeds during 2020. Like, you guys have been going for it every week. You guys are here Right, you guys have not stopped ministering, and you have great leaders, and you guys have incredible hearts, and I can't wait to see what God does through that on the other side of this year. I cannot wait to see the fruit of that. It's so encouraging. God is doing so much for us, even when we don't see it. You know, the other the other day I, I was going for a run, and my Spotify uh, playlist, I was pulling up some music, and this thing popped up, and it said your 2020 uh, year wrapped, and it. The first thing that came up, it said, One song helped you through it all. And it was this worship song that I had been listening to a lot this last year. And then it said, But a year like 2020 required backup. And it showed all these other songs. It was really cool. It showed like all these other songs I've been listening to. And you guys might have seen people posting these on social media. But, you know, then I had this thought, What if there was a scripture that helped you through it all? And I wonder what that scripture would have been for you. I, you know, I, I was praying about it and I was like, God, what? What is that scripture? And I knew immediately the scripture that got me through it all was Romans 8, 28. It says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. He works all things for the good of those who love him. See, as we look back on this year, it's time to flip the script. It's time to stop thinking of all the bad and all the challenges that, that we've had. It's time to take hope in the future, and the God that was with us. See, if we've turned to God during this time, we can see what he's capable of. We, we know what he's capable of and what he can do with our pain. We know what he can do with our suffering and we know what he can do with problems that are so much bigger than ourselves. We can point to how he's worked things for good. When you, when you study how wine is made, they, they say it's the hardest years that produce the best grapes Whether it's a drought or extreme conditions when the vine is stressed, those grapes produce the best wine. See, when we're stressed, our faith is being put to the test and we're being stretched and we're being challenged to trust Jesus at a deeper level, which leads to great things. With God, the hardest years can bear the most fruit in our lives and so as we close, I wanna pray a prayer of blessing over this upcoming year, but I also want to extend an invitation. And if you'd bow your heads and close your eyes during this moment, you know maybe you haven't turned to God and maybe you've tried to get through this year more on your own than, than turning to Him and asking Him for help. And I just want you to know it's not too late. It's not too late you haven't missed the moment, Jesus is ready to step into the boat with you. You don't have to face another storm for the rest of your life without Jesus. So if you're here and maybe for the first time you'd like to begin a relationship with Jesus, I'm not going to have you come forward or stand up, but just raise your hand so that I can say a prayer with you. It's awesome. I want you to pray this prayer and repeat this, agree, agree with this in your heart. Dear Jesus, I don't want to face another storm without you. I don't want to live without you. God, I want you in my boat. I want you to be my Lord, to be my master. I trust you with my eternity. And if you're here today and maybe maybe you look back on this year and, and you had some of those, some of those moments, and maybe if you're honest, you really didn't turn to God. And, and maybe you're feeling a, a conviction that this is a time to repent and to, to start fresh. To look to this new year as a year that you're not going to try to solve the problems of the world your own, but that you're going to turn to God and let him quiet the storm. And if that's been your year, I just want to raise your hand so that I can pray and encourage you. It's awesome. God, I just pray over every single person in this place. God, I pray for your blessing over their lives. God, I pray for your blessing over this community, your blessing over this church. God, I pray for an overflow of blessing in this valley. God, I pray for uh, just victory in so many battles, in so many things. God, I pray that the enemy would be scared of your people in 2021 because of the great things that you plan to do through our lives. God, I pray that we would stay with our eyes fixed on you and the greater purposes and the things that you're doing. We we know that evil is still here. We know that evil is with us. but We know that you are greater. So God, we love you and we worship you today. In Jesus name, amen. Thank you for tuning in today to another great
0: message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on Spotify, iTunes podcast, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms, and then click the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be a part of our family. For more information about our church, go to our official website at atmosphere.church. Finally, if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you? To make a donation, simply go to our website and click the link that says Give. Your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Until next time. We pray you will keep the faith, spread the
1: hope, and live the love.